Blow and the Doctor. Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. This is episode 14. Hope you guys have had a good week and enjoyed The Caretaker, which I'll have a review coming up uh, later in the show. And wow, Mr Capaldi, isn't he wowing every single week? So we've got some news to go through. Uh, before we get on to that review, so let's get stuck in. So I hope you guys have been well and would do welcome back. My name's Gary. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, for joining me, should I say. And let's get straight in with the news. Um, I'm going to start off with um, with some bad news. I hate starting with bad news, but um, it's best to get the, the bad news done and out of the way. So unfortunately, I, I always hate reading stuff like this, but uh, actress uh, Maggie Stables has sadly uh, passed away. Uh, those of you that are not into the uh, big Finnish audio stuff, uh, Maggie Stables was um, the companion Evelyn for uh, the sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, in um, just under 20, I think 18 or 19 uh, complete stories that she did with Colin Baker and uh, yeah it's really sad because she was a really really good uh, solid companion uh, in my opinion so um, yeah she was first cast um, as a, a kind of a side supporting character really in one of the early Big Finish shows and uh, Nicholas Briggs was really and one of the other producers there really liked her really because they worked together before and uh, just really liked her um uh, character uh, acting and delivery and stuff so uh, they got her back as um, as a, a companion uh, to Colin Baker and that ran for quite a while like I said I think it was 19 19 um, stories that she did uh, as a companion and she was really good I thought uh, I hadn't listened to any of the big uh, Finnish stuff that that she had done until I found out until I read about her passing away and then I went and checked out a couple of bits and uh, she's really really good so that's um uh, that's really sad to hear. And Colin Baker did have um, he put out a nice tribute on Twitter. He said, uh, "Devastated to hear about dear Maggie Stables, lovely, generous, kind, wise lady, and her Evelyn was a definitive companion for old Sixie." So that, I thought that was really nice of Colin to do that uh, because he has had a few different companions, and to say something like that about Maggie is uh, is really really nice. So uh, a bit of sad news: um, Maggie Stables has sadly um, uh, passed away. Uh, Next bit of news for us is the um, the BBC have just have, they've gone nuts. The BBC have lost their damn minds. Those of you that uh, follow anything to do with the BBC, along with your other uh, Doctor Who Twitter accounts and that sort of stuff, will probably have seen uh, workmen abseiling down the front of Television Centre, uh, removing the the BBC logo off the front. The reason for that is because the BBC. Uh, have decided to, well, they decided a few years ago now, but um, they've come, just sold up shop, packed up and moved on from Television Centre. So their iconic home, their head office that's been there for, uh, they've operated out of for many, many years. I can't even remember when they first went. It must have been the 60s or the 70s or something, or maybe even earlier. Let me know. Um, 
they've in order, their their reason for for moving out of this place was they wanted to cut costs and uh, and and kind of uh, bring the BBC into a more modern way of of running a business essentially. So having a a really old um, large head office building doesn't really fit with their new uh, kind of uh, mission statement or profile or whatever you want to call it, I guess. And it's kind of weird because everything that was there kind of suited their needs perfectly, really. They had some really good studios there, uh, really, really good quality equipment. And uh, it just seems like a bit of a strange one to to ditch this iconic um, building. It would have been, in my opinion, a bit more money well spent and stuff to give the the place a bit of a, a facelift. But anyway, so BBC have, uh, have, have gone and... Over the last year or so, they've been trucking out all of the important equipment and all of the stuff that they're going to be using at other sites. Um, but there is a ton of stuff left over. And when I say a ton of stuff, I mean a bucket load of stuff left over. And all of this stuff is going to be auctioned off. Um, so they're going to be doing it online. These are online auctions for the BBC. And uh, it's run by PP. Uh, PP auctions and it's going to be on Tuesday the 4th of November through to Friday the 7th of November and they're selling off a huge huge piece of Doctor Who memorabilia Um, so in this auction you'll be able to bid for and you've probably seen this um, uh, dotted around Twitter and Facebook and stuff but this is the real deal you can get a huge uh, three and a half meter long by two and a half meter high uh, canvas backdrop of Matt Smith that they used in the uh, when they were doing some promotions and marketing and stuff for um, series. Um, uh, I think it was series four or series five. Um, they just wanted to promote the crap out of Matt Smith, um, basically. So um, it wouldn't be series four, would it? Of course not. Sorry, what am I talking about? It'd be, I think it was for either series five or six. And um, yeah, so it's a massive, massive canvas print of Matt Smith in front of the Time Vortex. And it looks really, really good. Some lucky person is going to, well, if you can find somewhere to put it, then go for it. And um, yeah, so that's the only bit they, I think they did auction off a load of stuff um, a couple of months ago or back in June or something. Uh, of BBC stuff so this is the only kind of big thing left left over and it does seem a a real shame to just tear it down and and bin it so um, it's going to be auctioned off so what I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, this auction site and you can you can grab a pdf as well of all the things that are going to be auctioned off and I'll tell you there is so much stuff at the BBC Uh, we're talking like uh, audio and video equipment mixing desks uh, all the IT stuff like servers, racks, just so much stuff, audio equipment. Um, there isn't much left in the way of TV memorabilia or anything like that or props or or anything like that. Uh, the only thing that I've seen is uh, a really big curved uh, backdrop um, for the Match of the Day set, uh, which is enormous, which is three meters high by 22 meters long. That's pretty crazy. Um, there's like a some big white blocks of BBC on it and stuff like that. There is a there is a, a kind of cool um, uh, black and white photographs um, 
of uh, some like really old BBC stars and stuff, like some frame pictures and all that kind of stuff. So that might be cool. Um, so I'll, so that's the uh, the fourth of November through to Friday the seventh. I don't know exactly when they're going to au- auction off these individual items, but if you're interested in this big, uh, huge Doctor Who canvas of Matt Smith, uh, and you've got room for it somewhere then go for it. It's, it's a really cool piece. It looks awesome. You'll recognize it. It's one of the really famous uh, publicity shots uh, for the show. So I will let you guys know about that one. And lastly in the news, um, those guys at Titan are really pushing the uh, the Doctor Who comic books uh, once again. Uh, I think it was two months ago, or possibly three months ago now, we had uh, new comic book runs for... Um, uh, the 10th and 11th Doctors and there was like a raft of different covers that you could get there was uh, the standard one there was different artists did their own take on it there was a Forbidden Planet exclusive there was another exclusive for another store there was just so much so uh, at the same time that these were announced uh, they also told us that the 12th Doctor comic would also be released uh, later on in the year and they're going to preview that exclusively at New York Comic Con so you'll be able to see uh, the cover, the content. You won't, I'm not sure about purchasing the comic, but they are certainly going to preview it. And uh, those of you uh, over in the States, uh, around that area of New York, it's going to be October 9th to 12th, so not too long to wait now. But on top of that, you're also, they're also going to be releasing um, some more uh, number one issues for the 10th and 11th Doctors in even more uh varied covers there's going to be two other covers uh, released there comic-con exclusives and that's going to take the amount of varied covers for just one issue to a crazy level uh, the most that i've seen um for comics uh, that have uh, single issue comics that have had a variation or a variant cover even like the big famous like uh, top line dc and marvel comics i think it's been has been four possibly five and counting so far, Doctor Who has had seven, and so this is um, this is quite crazy. Uh, and if you want, if you're into your collector, if you're a bit of a complete, uh, a bit of a completist, and you want to really collect everything, then uh, this could be you know right up your street because I'm sure that uh, you will be able to order online somewhere uh, the Comic Con exclusive exclusive of these uh, uh, number one single issues, and uh, they are quite cool comics. Um, it's very all in, very early on in the story at the moment, and we need to kind of give it a bit of space to uh, uh, to grow. But um, yeah, so if you're into your comics and you're in New York around that time, uh, then you'll be able to pick up some more variants, plus have a preview of the Twelfth Doctor comic. Even if you're not, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to order them uh, over here and worldwide anyway. Uh, so. That's going to wrap up the news, and we're going to move straight on to uh, uh, my review of The Caretaker. Hold on, there is just one more thing. We've got a newbie. I'm the new Caretaker. Skullvox Blitzer, one of the deadliest killing machines ever created. Are the kids safe? No, nobody is safe. Oh my god, you're from space. Very well observed, Danny. So, The Caretaker. Um, Where do I start with this, really? Um, Right, so, this is one of those episodes where you can tell 
immediately off the bat that this was aimed at a slightly younger audience, I guess. It was very much, there wasn't, because in Series 8 so far, and especially before Series 8 launched, there was very much this uh, this kind of inkling that things are going to get a bit darker for the Doctor, and it would be a very much a darker show, a darker Doctor. And for a couple of episodes that we've seen uh, so far in Series 8, that has been the case. So episodes like Listen, um, and maybe Deep Breath to an extent, uh, they've been uh, they've been quite dark, you know. It's fair to say. And this one, however, was not dark at all. This was quite a light and fluffy episode. It was quite humorous. It was quite. Um, it was just very light. There wasn't much. It wasn't very intense, and it wasn't very scary, and you know all that kind of stuff. So it was for me. This was the first in series eight that was very much. Uh, what I call a CBBC episode, where your kids could comfortably watch this without getting scared. Uh, they'd probably have a few laughs, and the adults would find uh, finds pretty much the same, would get the same out of it. You know, there, there's a few laughs along the way, not very scary, and uh, it just kind of plod, plods along, uh, you know, at a, a fairly reasonable, enjoyable pace. So, overall, this wasn't one of the... This wasn't one of the better... Um, episodes this this series, um, but again, it wasn't it wasn't a, a terrible episode, and that's kind of been the way that I found this um, this this series so far. Um, even even if there hasn't been, uh, you know, a really good monster to speak of or a really good storyline or anything like that, the episode has still been saved, you know, and it's still been, you know, it's still got. I, I think it. I think maybe this is attributed back to Peter Capaldi because every time that we've had, every time that we've had uh, a, a not so strong episode, and uh, Time Heist was like that for me in a way. It wasn't one of the strongest, and this one is kind of like that. Where it wasn't really the strongest of the, of the series, but uh, either Capaldi or Jenna Coleman. Uh, have just really saved it for me and they've turned what could have been a potentially really bad episode into a quite a good episode it does it just doesn't mean it was amazing and you know you're going to be this is one of the standout episodes that people will talk about for many years it's just it's kind of saved it because of his because Capaldi gave such a good performance and along with uh, Clara and uh and Danny was Danny Pink wasn't too bad in this one. I'm still not sure on Danny. I'll come on to him in a little bit. I'm, I'm still not sure on him. But, you know, the, the the people that were up front and centre, so again, Doctor and Clara, you know, they did deliver very, very well. So let's first of all talk about the story. And I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't really get much out of this story. I'll be totally honest with you. I found it a little bit... Uh, I found it too much of a, I found it a letdown for the, the villain or the monster, whatever you want to call it in this one. I found that to be very much a, a big letdown for two reasons. And I also found that there just wasn't much substance to this one. It was just very, um, well, in my opinion, you could tell that this story 
was just written around relationships between the Doctor and Clara, the Doctor and, you know, importantly, the Doctor and Danny. That kind of triangle of relationships, it was very much about that. And everything else in the episode just uh, just went round it, you know, for the sake of it. You know, there was the, the monster in this was very much just a plot filler for me. It was there just because there has to be something there like that in a Doctor Who episode. Um, there was also not really, you know, a great deal of a supporting cast to talk of. There was a few little characters here and there, but ultimately it was just about how the Doctor felt about Danny. It was about Clara um, kind of bringing these two together. Because you can you can tell that she's kind of like, uh, she's kind of like the, the girl stuck in the middle of her parents arguing, you know, all she wants is everyone to get along, you know, everyone to be happy and stuff. And you, you can tell that that's her, that's her motive for this story. She just wants everybody to get along so that she can, you know, she can be happy. And I, I guess a lot of people can relate to that. Um, but it just didn't, and, and I'm talking negatively now because, you know, I, and it wasn't a bad episode. That's what, that, that's what, that's the thing about this series so far. And what I mentioned earlier is that there hasn't been any terrible episodes like we've had in previous uh, series of Doctor Who. We can pull out a few uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant and a couple of uh, Chris Eccleston episodes, which have been very, very poor. Really, really poor. But in Series 8, we haven't really had that. I mean, Robot of Sherwood was, um, you know, potentially a, just a bit of a, 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 a silly romp, if you like. Um, and this one is quite similar. And I don't think it goes against. I don't think it goes against the show at all, um, but it's just one of those times where you just feel like, ah, oh, that could have been so good, <laughs> you know, it, that could have been an amazing episode. That could have been great, and like I said earlier, it kind of leans back to the the performance of Peter Capaldi. Uh, he saves this as he's done in previous episodes that aren't so strong. It's his performance that saves the day, along with um, along with Jenna Coleman. And so I'm just going to talk about the story a bit more just before I move on to the Doctor and Clara and stuff. And so the story is, there's uh, the Doctor has detected that there's an alien, uh, an alien or cyborg machine crab looking thing. Uh, is uh, he's detected it really close to the school where Clara works near Coal Hill School, and this thing is called uh, Scovox Blitzer, which is a yeah, and um, so he the doctor knows that this thing's there, so he he, he essentially uh, fakes a job at the school as the caretaker so that he can set up this trap to get rid of it, and obviously it doesn't go to plan. Uh, Danny interferes a little bit. Things almost go awry, uh, but you know, as we thought he would, Danny would actually turn up and save the day, and then there would be some kind of um, some kind of uh, you know mutual agreement between the Danny and the, Danny and the Doctor after that bit. So that's kind of the story. Um, now the the monster, the villain in this, I was I was very disappointed with this because. I thought this could have a bit of, I thought this could have maybe somewhere to go. I thought that we could maybe learn a little bit more about 
what these things are, where you know, properly where they're from. But it was just there as plot filler. You know, it was nothing more than, you know, something something to to do while these while the doctor and Clara and Danny were sorting out their differences, if you like. And that really annoys me when they do that in Doctor Who because they really dilute the threat of that particular villain or monster at the time. Uh, some of the best Doctor Who episodes is where the villain or the monster is really quite threatening and really uh, sinister and, you know, really doing bad stuff. And the Doctor looks like he might not actually... I mean, he's always going to save the day. That's a given with Doctor Who, but... Um, it was kind of, you know, some of the best episodes are when it looks like the Doctor isn't going to save the day and he is up against it. And this threat of whatever monster at the time, you know, is, is really got him up against the ropes. And I didn't feel that at all with this episode. I really didn't feel like that was the case one bit. And which is, which is, which is sad because... I understand on one hand you've got to have certain episodes which are not always dark and foreboding and you know the threat of extinction is I understand there needs to be some lighter episodes and I, I get that I do get that but I just thought that when they do things like this with this Scovox Blitzer and you know they've done it a few times with other Doctors I feel that uh, it's just it, it kind of makes a mockery of what that monster is about. And, you know, it's a lot of people have said this about Strax whenever um, Strax and Jenny and Vastra are in episodes. After those episodes have been on TV, I, you can always rely on Twitter and Facebook to get flooded with comments like, why are they doing this? You know, Strax is, you know, by doing this with Strax, it just makes the Centaurans look like, you know, a bunch of Wombles. And, it you know, it just, it makes them... It, it takes them from what they were, which is a very uh, strong, uh, you know, really, you know, g g they really give the Doctor something, you know, to get his... He really has to work hard, you know. He, they're like um, one of the best kind of uh, aliens within the Doctor Who universe. And by doing that with Strax, by making him comic relief and, and just... You know, it just dilutes the threat of the Centaurans. It just makes them... And I, I kind of got that feeling with this. So with this monster, I was I was looking forward to what he was going to do. I thought he was going to throw up some more problems than what he did for the Doctor. Uh, but sadly, no. It, he was just put there just for, just for namesake, really, just to give the episode something else to, for, for viewers to get into while the, the Doctor was angry with Clara <laughs> mainly uh, so let's talk about the Doctor um, brilliant as always Capaldi's just he's that the wow factor is just always there with you you know he's always got that he just the way he delivers his lines and the way that he comes across in scenes and how he you know his chemistry with Clara is just so good you know and now with Danny the way that he, he he's carrying on with Danny it's just so good and that's what I meant earlier about him always saving the day. Uh, you know, in quite a literal sense, as the Doctor, he saves the day. But Peter Capaldi as an actor, for me, saves the day as well. So this episode certainly wasn't one of the stronger episodes, although still enjoyable. It was Capaldi's performance um, that really, 
will, will probably make me want to watch it again when it's on. Um, once this series is done and dusted and you know we've got the Blu-rays or the DVDs of the series at home, I'm probably not going to rush to put this one on, I'll be honest. Um, however, if it's on TV, well, when it's on TV in the future, I'm not going to turn it off, put it that way. You know, if it's on and I'm channel surfing and it's on, then I'll watch it, you know, because Capaldi's so good. And, you know, I've said it time and time again, and when I've had um, Adam on here from the Geeks Handbag talking about, you know, when we did our, we did quite an in-depth review of Deep Breath, the first one, you know, and we both said it time and time again. And when I talk to other Who fans, you know, it's always the same thing. You know, Capaldi is brilliant. And he really is. I can't... I think you guys are going to get bored with me saying that by the end of um, Series 8 after Christmas. Uh, you guys are going to be like, yes, Gary, we know. We know you think about he's brilliant. But I, I honestly do feel that he, he's got something really special and he's really grabbed onto something and, you know, really good with this character. And, um, yeah, so I really enjoyed his performance again. Some really good lines from him. Uh, I, I'm still... I still need to kind of catch up mentally, I think, with this hatred he's got of soldiers. I'm not really... Uh, I, I'm not really um, 100% sure in my mind where this has come from. Uh, because I know that in the past, uh, at various times, the Doctor's been very much against warfare and violence and guns and that kind of stuff. But he's really got a huge hatred of soldiers at, at this point in time. And he, you know, it was very clear at the beginning of the episode that he had no trust, you know, very much a, a deep dislike for, uh, for Danny. Uh, what one thing that I found really, what, that I found really funny, was his mistake of Clara, you know, he there was um, the other school teacher, um, who had a very uh, similar look about him um, uh, to Matt Smith. I thought that was quite funny, where he assumed that Lara had, was going out with that teacher because he, you know, he he very much reminded you of how Matt Smith dressed and his hair and stuff, um, and he just completely discounted Danny, completely took him out of the picture, which I thought was quite funny, well written. Um, yeah, so I'm not really sure where this deep hatred has come from, and it's, they, they did seem to work this out at the end. I think, I think in a way, uh, Danny kind of proved himself to the Doctor. You know, he's not just He's not just a soldier. There is more to him than that. And the fact that he helped save, you know, everything. And, you know, it was kind of it was kind of a big epic grand move that he did at, at the end as well. Like somersaulting over uh, Scovox. And, you know, that, that was quite cool. So the relationship between the Doctor and Danny, I think is going to... Be, I don't think it's perfect. And I don't think those two will ever, will ever be... Uh, like Clara and the Doctor are, um, and this kind of echoes the David, uh, the 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 Tenth Doctor and Mickey. Um, this is very much uh, an echo of how those two uh, kind of got on, if you like. Well, they didn't really get on, but how they interacted with each other. So it's quite interesting how they how they wrote this in with um, Capaldi. Uh, sorry, with the Doctor and, and Danny Pink. So I'm interested interested to see where this is going to go. I'm not really sure. Um, if it's going to come to anything at all, or if there's a lot more to Danny that we we haven't quite picked up on yet. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, moving on to Clara. Again, she was really good in this. Um, she seems to have a lot of screen time at the moment. Uh, as a companion, I think, if I'm not mistaken, she's on uh, 
on average so far this series, she's been on screen longer than the Doctor, I think, because she's in pretty much every scene in most episodes. And and as, I, as I've said before in previous reviews, she's really saving the day right now. You know, she's been the voice of reason for the Doctor and she's been the one that's... She's been the one that when the Doctor is at that moment where you think he's going to do something bad or you think he's going to do something, you know, not quite right, she's always the one that says that one line or that one thing that pulls him out of that low point. And I really like that about Clara. And I'm I'm dreading at the end of this series or at the Christmas special, I'm pretty sure that Clara is going to... Uh, the more I think about it, and the more I the more I watch her and the Doctor, I've just got this feeling that they're going to kill her off. I think she's going to go, either at the end of this series or at the Christmas special. I've just got this feeling that she's going to go. She's going to be really sad because she's been a really good companion uh, this whole series. She's been awesome. Uh, so in this episode again, she was really really good. Really enjoyed her screen time. Really enjoyed her interaction with both the Doctor and Danny. Uh, yeah, no much, nothing else to say really about Clara. She was just really good as usual. Uh, Danny, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not sure on his character. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the actual character itself has got some merit and I think it's going to be good where they take him. But I think it's just Samuel Anderson. I just think there's something about the way he's playing this part that just isn't engaging with me. I just can't seem to connect with him. I can't seem to to invest in him as a as a as a character, you know? It's um yeah, I don't know. I just can't get into it. Um the doctor and Clara, you know, I'm totally invested in those two. Really love watching them in every episode, even the slightly poorer ones this series. Really enjoyed their interaction with each other, uh, their banter and and that kind of stuff. But Danny Pink, you know, I, I think the character can be good. I think it's just too. I think the in, I think the relationship that they currently have now, after this episode between Danny and the Doctor, I just think it's too similar to the Tenth Doctor and Mickey at this moment in time. So we'll have to see where they take that. And also Samuel Anderson, I'm just not really sure on his, on how he's playing this character. I just can't seem to invest. Uh, and engage with him at the moment. Um, so that's, before I give an, an overall rating for this episode, just a couple more mentions about it. Um, really happy to see Chris Addison uh, pop up at the end. I knew he was coming. I, I read somewhere that he was going to pop up, uh, I think in the next episode, uh, Kill the Moon. I read that he was going to be in that one, but I was really surprised to see him at the end. Chris Addison's a really, really good actor. Really, really glad to see him uh, in Doctor Who. So he plays a character called Seb. And we saw a little bit of Missy as well at the end, just right at the end. No words needed, nothing written for her, just a look over the shoulder. I thought that was quite cool. And there's still loads of questions buzzing around about, you know, what she is and what, what her deal is. Uh, at the moment and this whole Neversphere thing it's the Neversphere I think it's oh, do you know what that's going to be a conversation for a different podcast um, but please let me know what you think uh, this whole Missy business, business is and all that stuff just go over to the site and I've got links to Facebook and Twitter let me know what you what you think this whole thing is a lot of people have said that she's the Rani a lot of people have said uh, that she's something to do with the Time Lords 
Uh, people have also said things like she's uh, a reincarnation of one of the previous companions that's turned evil. You know, just loads and loads of stuff. Um, so that's a really good uh, conversation to have with your who buddies, uh, wherever you are. And so um, a review of this one, I'm going to give it... Uh, sorry, before I give it a review, I just want to um, give a shout out to Adam Charlton uh, from the Geeks Handbag. And he's uh, he jumped on Facebook and gave me his real quick views on The Caretaker. And so he says, uh, The Caretaker was by far the most family-friendly episode we've had in Series 8 so far. A good fun story. Peter, Jenna and Samuel were all on top form. If only we'd seen an appearance from Ian Chesterton, though. That would have topped it off nicely. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I kind of I kind of agree with you, Adam, on that one. Uh, I really enjoyed it as well. I didn't think it was the strongest uh, uh, episode in this series. Um, it kind of falls into the same league as Robot of Sherwood for me. It's it was quite family orientated, a bit of a CBBC episode. And um, but yes, like you, um, like you've said, a good fun story. Uh, Peter and Jenna really good. I'm going to disagree with you slightly on Samuel. He's not really grabbed me yet. He hasn't really, he hasn't really, I can't, I just can't engage with him at the moment. That's not to say that I won't, but uh, he's not really doing it for me uh, as it stands at the moment. So an overall rating uh, for this, I'm going to give it a seven, uh, which is, um, yeah, am I going to give it a seven? Yes, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. So I think it was a, a, a fairly good episode, uh, a light-hearted story, uh, fun to watch, one that you can sit down with the kids and not worry at all about them getting scared or anything like that. And um, yeah, that's going to wrap. So that has wrapped for episode 14. Thank you very, very much again for joining me and um, yeah, and taking you through The Caretaker. If you want to give me some comments or some feedback on the podcast, please do so. Just head over to uh, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can leave some comments on the uh, post for this podcast or there's links there to my Twitter page and Facebook page. Just jump on one of those. Uh, give me a follow, give me your opinions, let's have a conversation about Doctor Who. And uh, yeah, if you guys are going to subscribe in iTunes, uh, just jump onto iTunes, do a search in the podcasts uh, area for Big Blue Box Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe there so you don't miss any of these shows. And if you've got time, I'd really appreciate a review and a rating on there as well. That really helps me out. So that does wrap for episode 14. I will see you guys next week or the week after. If I've got time, I will jump on and do one next week. Uh, otherwise, enjoy Kill the Moon on Saturday. This looks like it's going to be a really good one. Uh, I will see you next time. Thank you very much. Alonzi!